The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Crawl Call, it's time for a little TV talk. Daytime, primetime, late night, or anytime with TV Line's Kim Roots. And we'll prove that you don't need a crawl to have a crawl call because today's special guest host, Richard Sims, will be running the show. Do you want to join in the TV discussion? We'll call 866-472-5788 and prepare to talk to someone other than me. That's coming up today on Crawl Call. So, Kim, do you think anybody noticed that we're replacing Dan? I don't think so. I think if we just play it cool, I mean... Cool. I'm, what I'm thinking is that, you know, somebody will... Oh, we're, we're, we're live. Sorry. Hey, everybody. This Uh-oh. is Richard Sims. I'm your guest host tonight while Dan is um, um, laid up. He's, he's, he's laid up, not laid out, but laid up and... I am, as most of you know, I'm the executive editor of Soaps in Depth, and I'm also the host of the Tune In Tomorrow podcast. Uh, but tonight we've got something really special lined up because a lot of you know when you tune into my show, it turns out be, it t- turns into just me babbling, and I don't even like listening to my voice, let alone listening to me babble for an hour. So I thought, hmm, who can I blackmail? I mean, invite onto the show to join me tonight, and luckily, Kim Roots, the edit- one of the editors over at TV Line, uh, was kind enough to come over and say she would spend some time talking TV with us tonight. How are you, Kim? I'm doing great, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, thanks for agreeing to be here. You know, for those who don't know, Kim and I go way back, long before she was at TV Line or Girl Scouts or anywhere else. She used to actually be an editor here at Soaps in Depth. In fact, she covered all my children. Uh, and then I believe she went to become our news editor. So clearly, she enjoys spending time with me. <laughs> You're the reason I lasted as long as I did. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, when All My Children went off the air, did you watch the end? Um, Like, were you watching it all along, or did you even, like, did you tune in for the finale thinking, oh, fond memories, let's see how it ends? No, you know, I think I watched one or two episodes after it went online, and it seemed like such a different thing that I just wasn't into it anymore. Um which is, I mean, sad to say, because I had, grown, I had not watched All My Children before I started covering it. I grew up as a Days of Our Lives girl, Salem represent, and um, I started watching for the job. I don't know, it just, it just didn't feel like the soap I had come to love. There were so many new faces, um, it just didn't feel like the flow was right. I don't know, I just... It, it felt off to me, and I, I've gotten that response from a lot of people I talked to as well about it. So I don't know if maybe that was, I mean, in addition to all the insanity that was going on behind the scenes, I don't know if that, that just the feel 
kind of sunk it. What do you think? Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of interested in the fact that it was the first soap, really, full-time soap, you know, three, four, five days a week, depending on when you joined in, that went online. And it's it's interesting to me that there are so many shows that exist online now, you know, whether it's Netflix original shows or Hulu original shows. And and I wonder if it was just the fact that it's it's there's a difference between training an audience to watch a show that you're used to watching once a week and maybe you're going to, you know, freebase 10 episodes of it when they put them all up and watching a show every day that you're used to watching every day but you're used to watching it on TV and the audience the soap audience is so much older that you know they might have been hard to train to tune in yeah I mean, I love my mom, but it's hard to get her to not, you know, email me in all caps. So I don't know that that getting her to tune into a show, even if she loved it, online would ever happen. So, and and she's the age of the, you know, she was their target audience. The she was someone who watched soaps for years and years and years, but she'd never go online to watch it. So, yeah, I I think you're probably right about that. What do you think about the state of the genre right now? I mean, you know, when we were when we started the magazine, when we started Soaps in Depth back in 1997, there were like, I don't know, 12, 14 shows. And, of course, now we're down to four, Days of Our Lives, The Young and the Restless, The Bold and the Beautiful, and All My Children. Do you think that this is one of those things like when everybody said comedy was dead and then we saw a resurgence? Or is it just that the, the, the marketplace has changed so much and viewership has changed so much that, you know, we may – this may be – you know, these are the four that we're going to get for as long as we get them, and there may not be more. Yeah. I mean, I want to, what I want to say is that, you know, good writing and good content always trump everything, and if someone can come up with an amazing new soap, it would work. I, I don't know that I believe that, but it would be nice to see happen. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I do. I, you know, I find as, as because I don't, because my job is no longer dependent on watching a soap every single day, which is a big commitment. I mean, I, I know people, like, you know, when SoapNet was still around, people were DVRing, people were binging on the weekends. Um, that, it's a lot of time to devote to, to someone else's creative pro, uh, product. So, I, 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 like I said, I want to say that if it were really good, everyone would tune in. But as, as a casual viewer now, I catch General Hospital when I know that, you know, Robin's going to be back, or although that has not gone so well for me as a fan of General Hospital when Robin has been back, um, you know, I will tune into Young and the Restless because people that I liked on All My Children are now on that show. I mean, but it also feels like, can we talk for a minute about how how there's like this pool of soap actors and they just kind of like, it's like the law of conservation of energy or something like that. I was not a ever good science person, but these actors just kind of move from show to show and it's, it's fun to see them play different roles, but I, I often wonder like, can we, can we maybe get some new, some new people in there in the mix? And I also think, I agree, and I think it was less obvious when there were more shows, but now, you know, it seems like, especially with The Young and the Restless and General Hospital, they're almost in a war with each other and and basically taking each other's cast-offs, you know, whether it's Billy Miller or uh, Michelle Stafford. It it, it is. It's it's fairly obvious. And I also think I would like to see, and again, there's 
there's only four shows in the mix right now, but I would like to see some new writing blood in. I think some some new in, you know people who aren't sort of necessarily trotting out the same things that we've seen time and time again um, might be. Although although on the other hand, the daytime audience does not necessarily like change, so it's, it's I know it's I know really tough. I mean, I definitely there are people Billy Miller, Melissa Egan, Michelle Stowes. Like there are people I would watch do anything. You know so. So I'm happy that they're working. I'm happy they're they're in the genre. But I just wish that something we could get something like a Jane the Virgin, you know, style, tongue in cheek, but still earnest, but still really well written with good acting going on on daytime. I just don't know that that's a possibility. Do you think that in a way the fact that there are so many primetime shows, whether it's Jane the Virgin or Empire or the Haves and Have Nots or Revenge, that have taken on sort of the qualities of a soap, does that sort of make it a little easier to say, well, I don't necessarily need to watch you know, my daytime shows because I'm getting that same thing that I want at night? No. I mean, come on, Dynasty, Falcon Crest, give me a break, 90210, Melrose Place, like these these have been around forever, and the soaps did fine. You know, there's been over-the-top stuff going on after 8 o'clock on the dial for years and years and years, and the soaps were fine. I don't don't think that has anything to do with it. I mean, I I enjoy a good primetime soap, don't get me wrong, but I, I just, they've always been two very different animals to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, I and and I think, for example, the Bold and the Beautiful. I can't miss the Bold and the Beautiful. And and what's nice about it is it's twenty. It, you know, it's it's a half hour. You take out commercials. It's twenty minutes. It's a quick hit. It's good, solid drama. It does some comedy. It it stays sort of grounded. It's emotional. It's got a romance. Uh, and I don't think that there's a substitute for that. I think I think that you know you can get some of those qualities out of primetime shows. But again, you're getting it once a week. You're getting it. You know, thirteen maybe. If if you're lucky, 20 episodes a year as opposed to sort of your daily fix. I think, I mean, I would love to see, what I would love to see, and I know I know this has been tried and it has failed spectacularly, but maybe the climate's different now, but the, the telenovela model where you have a story that has a very clear beginning, middle, and end, and then you have another show that comes on, you know, for another, I don't know, what, let's even say 20 weeks, 24 weeks, however long, and then you get, actors who don't have to be committed to three years at a time. You get actors who maybe are doing primetime stuff but want to dabble in daytime. I just feel like it frees, it frees everyone up. And because it's a new thing, although it's, uh, like I said, not at all new to people who have watched telenovelas for years, it's, it's something that you can commit to because you know it's going to be done. I once had um, Torsten Kay when, I was, when he was on All My Children and we were talking, and he said, you know, it's really hard to tell a story without an ending because you don't know where the middle is. Yeah, you know where the start is. That's pretty much it. So, so it would give the actors something they could really hook onto. It would give the audience something that they could really be invested in. And then if it was terrible, if it were terrible, it would be done, and you'd move on to something else. What do you think about that? Well, it's, you're right. It's surprising that this hasn't become more popular with American television. American television loves nothing more than to rip off what's popular in other formats. And when you look at the fact that there are times when uh, Telemundo or one of the other networks that shows uh, telenovelas, 
there are nights when they beat network broadcasts with their telenovelas. So it's sort of surprising to me that we haven't seen a primetime telenovela, you know, maybe with the success of Jane the Virgin, even though it's, it's, it follows the same basic, um, if you want to call them tropes or cliches, or it follows the rules of a telenovela very, very well. And um, it, it, the only difference really being that it's once a week instead of daily. And maybe with the success of that, we're going to see, you know, some network say or some cable channel say, you know what, let's, let's give this a try. Let's, let's do an actual full-blown telenovela. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I just, granted it's easy for me to say I'm not greenlighting budgets. I'm not, you know, changing people's lives by saying yes or no to things. But I, I would just, I would like to see... I would like to see TV take a risk around this area a little bit more than it has and not just put on another talk show that costs nothing to produce. Are there things that, you know, now that you're paid to watch TV for a living, you know, I, I always say I have the best job in the world. I come to work, I sit with, you know, I sit with my best friend and watch television and tweet about it and write about it, and, and you will never, ever, ever hear me complain about my job, you know, ever. Yeah. But there are, you know... It is part of my job to watch the shows, all four soaps, and that's very, as you mentioned, that's time-consuming. You also watch TV for a living, and, I, and, and I'm sure, that, I assume that the way it works at TV Line is that you, know, you have certain shows that you are responsible for. That being the case, do you find that there are shows that you want to watch but you don't have time for? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I think if you like TV there's always going to be too much on. God, thank God for DVRs. I was thinking about that the other day. Remember when you used to have to tape things <laughs> and then if you ran out of t- if the tape ended because you had miscalculated how much time you had left, you might miss the ending of your show. And then, you know, if you didn't catch it in a rerun over the summer, you were screwed. I mean, this is, this is amazing that I can just kind of go to my TV anytime I want and say, I think I'll watch Freak Show from this week that I missed. It's so funny you say that because I just, a, a couple weeks ago, I was cleaning out um, the, the bedroom closet, and I found this stack of videotapes, and I was looking through them to see what they were. And I apparently at some point, and it must have been when it was re, being rerun on SoapNet, I taped all the episodes of the old Dana Delaney uh, primetime soap Pasadena. I had always wanted to see it. I, I, the only thing I knew about it was that it had a cool opening credit sequence that I loved and that it had a cast that I really liked. And I found all the episodes, but unlike when you go to your DVR and it says, you know, it gives you a little description of what the, the episodes are, all it is is a stack of tapes that all say Pasadena. I have no <laughs> idea what order they go in, which one has the first episode on it. So, yeah, I have a whole lot of <laughs> those kind of things sitting around. What... What shows that you can think of, if you can think of any off the top of your head, would you love to have time to watch, but you just don't? Oh, good God. Um, I find that I miss a lot of comedies because they're so easy to kind of, like, when I do catch up, they're easy to watch, like, five or six or seven of them at a time, you know? So um, I still really like About a Boy, even though I know it's it's probably not long for this world. Um, I almost never see it. Uh, what other shows? There are shows historically that I, you know, have wanted to watch. Like, I haven't seen The Wire. I know that's a big, like, TV reporter slash critic sin to admit that you haven't seen The Wire. But I would love to see The Wire at some point. It's just there's a lot of it. Um, trying to think. Uh, I would love to, you know, I, I got caught up on Breaking Bad very quickly because I had to cover it for a TV line. I had not watched it before. Um, right before I started recapping it, I binged the whole thing. And that's not a good way to 
really absorb a show like that. That's so amazing and so well done. I'd love to rewatch that, you know. Um, of current stuff that's on right now, um, I'm not watching Agent Carter. Haven't had a chance to yet. Um, I'm not watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because after the first episode it lost me, but then I heard it got really good again, but I just haven't had the time to catch up. So there's there's a lot. How about you? What, what kind of stuff are you uh, thinking that you want to see? I watch everything. I, I, I spend all <laughs> day, every everything. moment of How every day watching that? television. <laughs> no, um, there, no, it's funny. There is a lot of stuff that I hear people talk about. The other problem is that I, a lot of times if I don't get onto a show right away, like with Breaking Bad, I did not get onto it right away. I sort of like started taping it, and I was like, I'll get around to it eventually. And uh, there was so much buzz about it that inevitably when I went to watch it, I was like, really? This is what all the excitement's about? Because I wasn't, yeah. you know, on that first wave of buzz. I have to this day not finished Breaking Bad. I'm like three seasons in. I watch an episode every two or three weeks. Uh, same thing with Mad Men. I have I have not seen Mad Men since season two, maybe two and a half, and and I would really like to find the time to dive back in and watch that. I sort of have a pile of shows that that I consider my retirement shows. Friday Night Lights. Never, I've seen the pilot, never seen anything else. And I have all of them on DVD, and someday, you know, when I retire, I will sit down and I will uh, get around to watching these shows. Uh, but but it's, it's funny because we live in such a different time now. You know, I mean, when I was growing up, uh, here's where I date myself. Um, when I was growing up, you know, we had three channels and PBS. You know, nobody counted PBS because who watched that? <laughs> and And now so much of the great television is actually not coming from the three networks. There's good stuff on the three networks, but the stuff that you really think of, you know, when we're talking about – um, you know, really great television like The Wire, Breaking Bad, um, things like that, they're not coming from the networks. And so yeah. you have to factor in not only all the stuff that's on network, but all the stuff that's on cable. And I watch The Soup every week with Joel McHale. Mm-hmm. Love it. One of my favorite shows. We just, just, just a laugh riot. But it really points out to you how many shows there are. Half the shows he, he talks about on that, you know, it's, it's basically... Oh, I've never heard who, of them. For those who don't, right, for those who don't know, The Soup is basically Joel McHale mocking television for a half hour and mocking shows. They show clips of the Oh, he's fantastic. And he mocks shows that you're like, wait, really? There's a whole show about hillbilly catfish catching, you know, where you reach down and you try and catch a catfish? It's ridiculous to think how much television is out there. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really overwhelming. And and like you said, I feel like I watch more than the average bear because of what I do, and it's still not enough. It's never enough. What shows right now? Well, actually, you know what? We're getting ready to head into a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the shows that you actually watch for a living and get your your thoughts on them and your critiques of them. And also, stay tuned, because before the end of this hour... Kim and I are each going to offer up a blind item, a blind item that may be from the distant, distant past, but that is our all-time favorite blind item. Uh, so we're going to be we're going to be doing that before the end of the show. It's interesting because as I'm talking to you, I'm getting messages from uh, from Voice America Central telling me, you know, like how much time we have before the commercial. And this is my first time doing this and doing it with an engineer, so uh, <laughs> I'm I'm terribly nervous. Uh, but but we'll be doing that as soon as we come back from the break. I assume I just say that and the break happens. 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. So there are many, many ways in which Kim and I differ in our TV viewing habits. I think I tend to watch a whole lot more reality television than she does. Am I right? You don't watch a lot of reality. I do not. I enjoy the, you know, a reality competition here and there. Like, I love So You Think You Can Dance. Um, I usually watch Idol for at least part of the season. But, yeah, I can't, I can't get down with the housewives. I can't do the Big Brother thing. I can't. I can't. I can't. Well, first of all, what are your thoughts about Paula Abdul coming over to So You Think You Can Dance? I, I do think it's nice that Kat Dealey is going to now be a judge. I've always thought, you know, that I'd like – I think she's very smart. I think she has always given good opinions, so it'll be nice to see her j- joining the judges panel. I So I'm of two minds about Paula Abdul. Um, I – in one sense, in one sense, it makes a lot more sense that she's on a she's a judge on a dance show than she ever than it ever made when she was on Idol. I mean, the woman is a dancer who happened to kind of create a pop career, much like J Lo um, now on Idol. But at the same time, I, and I did not love Mary. I thought the whole tamale train shtick was way overplayed and totally ridiculous. And sometimes I, I wondered like what she was going on in her head while she was up there. <laughs> but I, I I was not. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that Paul, Paula Abdul is like going to get me excited about the judges panel. Do you know what I mean? And Jason Derulo, I'm just like whatever. But I, I, I guess I'm torn. That's it. I just really want I, as long as they can keep the show the way I like it, which is like really good dancers doing their thing and getting like solid critiques from people who know what they're talking about, and not you know Katie Holmes or whoever they've had on the panel. Then I'm good with that. I agree. Uh, That's but been... it could also go badly. That's always been one of the things I really loved about So You Think You Can Dance and that I thought set it apart from, um, say, American Idol, is that this was not people sitting there being snarky for snarky's sake. This was not the people sitting there just uttering a catchphrase. They genuinely were given critiques that made sense. You know, it, was, it, was, it felt like if you incorporated the critique that you were given into your performance, it would help you next time around. And that, I thought that was so valuable as opposed to, you know, Simon Cowell sitting there saying, worst performance ever. Right. And I mean, what I do like, the reason I have watched uh, American Idol 
at least in the beginning in the last couple of seasons, is because I think Harry Connick Jr. brings a lot to the table uh, in terms of musical knowledge and being able to give very pointed, very specific critiques that are not designed to make people cry, but also not designed to make them feel good about themselves if they're terrible. And uh, so I do enjoy when these shows employ people who actually know what they're talking about. So, you know, maybe she'll be amazing. Maybe she'll be able to channel years and years and years of dance knowledge and all of her choreog- you know, choreographic work for Janet Jackson and all the stuff that she used to do, and, and it'll be great. I just don't know that that's going to happen. You know, oh, my, I, she well, may just exactly. show up and be orange and act like she took too many sleeping pills, because that's happened too. Yeah, and I think that the problem that we both probably will have is if she falls back into her old routine of wanting to be the nice girl and not critique. Yeah. Because you're right, she has valid dance credits. She should be able to offer valid uh, critiques. And I think the balance she'll want, she'll need to strike in order to be successful is to, you know, if she wants to play the good girl, fine. You can play the good girl and you can play the nice person, but at the same time, offer valuable critique. You know, well, you know, it wasn't, bad, but here's what I would do differently. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer that criticism without praise is as, is as useless as praise without criticism, and I hope that she can find the balance between the two. Wow, that was deep, Richard. You should, you you know, should like, make some kind of inspirational poster. There should be, like, a kitten hanging on <laughs> it's, it's tree or It's one of the things that, you know, um, I, I spend a lot of my day on Twitter, obviously, because when I'm live-tweeting the shows, and I am not a fan of whether it's... Um, it's people blindly offering nasty remarks on Twitter or even people discussing politics and their only response is, you know, Obama sucks kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you want to talk to me about things that you don't think that the show or the president or whoever is doing well, then I'll gladly engage in a conversation with you. But if basically your your idea is to say obscenities and and just critique, there's not much room there, you know? There's not much there's not yeah. much room for conversation there. Um, but as much as we may differ on many, many, many of the things we show that we, we watch, there are shows that we definitely have in common, and one of them that we both love, and we both read the novels, uh, or, well, you've read more of them than I have, but um, that is Outlander. And uh, I believe April is when it comes back for the rest of its first season, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, April is so far away. Yes, you are right. <laughs> it is true. For people who may not be familiar with Outlander, uh, give them a little background. So I always tell people Outlander is one of those things that when you tell people about it, you sound a little crazy. So let's just keep that caveat in mind. Uh, it's a based, uh, it's a series on stars based on Diana Gabaldon's novels. Uh, I think now there are nine of them, but this, right now we've just covered the first one in the show. And it's about a woman named Claire who goes uh, from the 1940s, travels through time in a very mysterious fashion, uh, to the 18th century in Scotland and uh, kind of has to figure out how she's going to survive there, meets this guy who happens to be very attractive and the perfect male, and then the series goes from there. And it's worth mentioning that she meets this perfect guy, but she actually already has a husband back in in 19-whatever-year-it-is that, that she uh, comes from. Uh, so, yeah, so we don't really... She has a husband. We'll, yeah, we'll she mention has him. Husband. Okay, Frank, there you go. We mentioned you. <laughs> but he's not, he's not really worth mentioning that much. Although I have to say, I felt as if um, the first few episodes of the series 
really did a nice job of investing you in her relationship with Frank. Really, I would argue better than the book did. I, I kind of felt like the book. Oh, when totally she went through the, totally I, I thought when she went through the stones in the book, and she got to to Scotland, she was like, okay, bye bye. <laughs> you know, like whereas in the in the series, I feel like they've really fleshed out her relationship with with Frank, the husband, and not solely. And and they also the other thing I'm really impressed with. Um, a show like this, it would be really easy for them to sort of rush Claire into the romance with Jamie, you know, and they really did not do that. They've really taken their time, and it's, in fact, the first few episodes are kind of slow, and they've, they've really taken their time establishing the world, establishing this, you know, this, this, this new relationship that she is settling into, yeah, I mean, I what I said to people who hadn't read the books when they were starting to watch, and a, a few people complained on Twitter, and, and people I knew said to me, "It's just slow. This is slow. They're, you know, the the Scottish brogue is really thick. I'm having a hard time telling what they're saying." And I said, "If you can, if you can just kind of settle in and and trust me that this is building to some really good stuff, you will be rewarded." Um, so that's why I was so happy that the you know the numbers were so good for the show, um, especially in the first handful of episodes, because. This is a show that if, it, if no one had tuned into the second episode, you know, we could have been, it could have been sunk. And when I say we, I feel very invested in the show. I have nothing to, I have no invest in this show. I recap it. I, you know, I love it, but that's pretty much it. Um, but I well, think, I think especially now that they're coming back from the, you know, they, they uh, broke the story at kind of a cliffhanger point, and we're coming back in April, and I've seen the first few episodes, and they're amazing. They're so good. So if you were on the fence beforehand, like, stick around for the next few episodes. If you hate it after that, then you will not like it. But if, you ha- if you're kind of on the fence, I think it, it'll win you over. It's worth note- mentioning here that um, Kim spent probably three years trying to get me to read the first book in the series. Um, she gave it to me, and it sat on my shelf, and she and it sh- it sat on the shelf in the office. So it was obvious. It, it wasn't it, like I, I took it, it home. Going home. You weren't even thinking about it. Right, I wasn't even thinking about it. And she would come in my office, and every now and then she'd be like, "Oh, you know, what do you think? You're gonna you're gonna read that sometime?" And it, 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 and then eventually I did dive in, and I became semi-obsessed with them to the point that one of my housemates would mock me mercilessly because it is sort of when you try and describe it to someone it's very mockable you know like it's about oh, this yeah. woman who goes back in time and falls in love and, and and they say to you oh so it's a romance novel well no so it's a sci-fi romance novel well no and, right. and finally, Gary uh, picked up one, and he is now – he read three of them and then pr- took a break, and he just recently started reading the fourth book. So, yeah, once you dive into this world, it's kind of, it's kind of addictive. It's very addictive, and I mean, of course, there are, there are elements of romance. There are elements of sci-fi, although very, very small sci-fi. Um, there are ele- but it's mainly – I just tell people it's a historical – it's historical fiction. If you like historical fiction, you'll probably like it. If you don't, you probably won't. Were you surprised when you were watching it at at how not only how they did take their time, but your one of the things you mentioned that really could be very off putting for viewers was how thick the brogues were. I mean, there were times when I even I just sat there going, "What the heck are they saying?" There, uh, yeah. I mean, I what I like about the show is that they're being very, very two things. They're being incredibly loyal to the book. I think Ron Moore even has said several times that we consider the books our Bible, um, which is really good if you enjoy the books. Um, and second, they're going out of their way to make it very authentic. Like they're shooting 
on location in Scotland. They have, you know, a Gaelic um, uh, specialist on the set who helps with pronunciations and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it is sometimes a little tough to understand, especially what some of the minor characters are saying to each other. Also, it's a, a group of people in the book that lapse between Gaelic and English back and forth rather easily. What I liked about that, though, is Claire, the main character, is coming into this, and she's, she's a, an English woman. She doesn't speak Gaelic. And so when there are scenes where there's all of this going on and she's lost, you're lost as well. So it's not, you, you're right in her shoes with it. And I think that worked very well for the, for the series. Are there any shows coming up, um, new shows coming up as we launch into sort of the second half of the season that you're sort of looking forward to? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, 12 Monkeys just premiered last week, last Friday, actually. The second episode is tonight on Sci-Fi. How is uh, that? It's got, it's got, it's, it's, I like it. It's good. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie or not. I had seen the movie a very long time ago, uh, Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt and, uh, Madeline Stowe are in it. Uh, the movie, uh, the Terry Gilliam movie is very topsy-turvy. It's about time travel. I remember not really being able to follow it clear through when I was, uh, I think I saw it when I was in high school. Um, the show is just as topsy-turvy, but they have more room to explore. They've made a few alterations um, to the storyline and the characters, and I found it very enjoyable. I mean, I still can't draw you like a, you know, point A to point B of where the time travel stuff is going, but I felt better because uh, I talked to Amanda Schull recently, who, if there's any center stage fans in the house, that's our little jo- Jody Sawyer. She's all grown up, but... um. Have you seen Center Stage, Richard? If you haven't, I have. You need to. I have. Okay, good. Um, so she's a she's the female lead, and I said, you know, I, I I like the show, but I got a little turned around, and she's like, oh, I keep a notebook on set of notes of like where my character is and when because it's very difficult too. So I felt better about that. So that's what, how we're supposed to feel. Um, so yeah, it, I'm uh, tonight's episode introduces the character that's analogous to the Brad Pitt character in the movie. He's kind of and crazy. And what is the basic story? basic story is that there is a man in the future. There's been a plague that's wiped out most of humanity. And a group of people in the future, including this man, Cole, uh, realize that if they go back in time, because they do have the rough ability to do that, they could stop the plague and possibly save everybody. So he goes back in time and tries to get Amanda Scholl's character, Cassie, who is a virologist, um, to help him but it's you know, time travel is an, an exact science, and the thing he needs her to do in the premiere is not she doesn't know what he's talking about because he went back too early, and so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. And she eventually, this is not a spoiler because it happens within the first you know 20 minutes, uh, joint, kind of believes him, joins his cause, and the show is about them trying to prevent this plague. It's interesting to me that, you know, the two shows that we've talked about just now, Outlander and uh, 12 Monkeys, are both, sci- are, are both sort of involve some element of time travel, involve some element of sci-fi, and yet I don't really think of either of us as sort of sci-fi geeks. You're not, are you? No. I mean, I was a big Next Generation fan. I'm, I'm not hardcore sci-fi, um, but I do, enjoy, I do enjoy some – here's the thing. And this is what I always said about uh, Star Trek The Next Generation back when I was getting mocked for liking it. <laughs> good writing is good writing. And if there's a show that has compelling characters, that has you know, action that I want to follow, that has scenarios that are intriguing, I'm going to watch that, whether it's set in a paper company like The Office was, 
or whether it's set in 18th century Scotland and the 1940s, like Outlander is, or whether even there's a new show called Fresh Off the Boat starting on ABC in February, uh, which I thought I would not like at all, and I watched the screener, and I really enjoyed it. It's just funny. It's set in Lando in the 90s. So um, it's about a, it's about a, uh, an Asian family that gets transplanted from, uh, oh, my goodness, I'm losing my mind, DC. Washington, D.C., I believe, and to Orlando, and um, kind of the culture shock that they go through. So long story short, if the writing is good, I will be there. And I think if, the, if it happens to be sci-fi and the writing is good, I mean, my God, you watched Battlestar Galactica, didn't you? The reboot? Loved it. Yeah, loved it. I mean, come on. And that's also Ron Moore, who's behind Outlander, which just goes to show, like, if you have, if you have the good content and a good person helming it, I mean, I can't, you can't go wrong. Have you seen the pilot for? And maybe, I'm not even sure if they've released the pilot for screeners yet. Have you seen Secrets and Lies, the new uh, Ryan Felipe show? They have released the the pilot for screeners. I have not yet seen it, but I've I've heard things. You're because very excited, I'm very about, excited that, right? about that. Although the one thing that I did hear recently that made me a little nervous was that basically, uh, and I think this came out of TCA's, was that he is in every scene like the whole thing is told from his perspective and that seems like it can be very daunting to not get any other you know perspective on this kind of story because it basically uh as i understand it centers on a guy in a small town there's a murder of a child and he's sort of the he sort of becomes the prime suspect and that's the sort of thing that you at least when i'm watching i kind of like having a broader canvas i like you know see playing the who who did it uh, with a broader canvas, sort of like they did with uh, Grace Point, the American version of Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. I, what really just popped into my head is, huh, that's like Gone Girl without the second half of Gone Girl. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm trying to think if I would still have liked Gone Girl without without uh, the the other perspective. Um, yeah, I don't know. I. Again, I, again, it, it all depends on on how much you connect with the character, right? So, so if we watch this and we love his character and we we want to root for him and all that, do you really need somebody else to give you the other side of it? I don't know. Did you watch Grace Point or Broadchurch? I didn't watch either, and here's why. <sighs> I get sad about shows about kids that are kidnapped and or dying and or kidnapped and about to be killed. Mm-hmm. And then I got sucked into The Missing on Stars, which I'm not sure if you if you were familiar with that, but it's I about just, I just watched the first episode a couple days ago. Oh, good God. It's it's so good. If if anyone out there hasn't seen The Missing on Stars, it's a British show that uh Stars broadcast. It's it's so so good. James Nesbitt is the dad. He's amazing. Uh but it is also a show about a kid uh in peril and it is heartbreaking. So I try to avoid those shows just because personally I can't handle them, but I got sucked into that one. It was really, really good. Which one, if you had to pick Broadchurch or Grace Point, which one would you say I should watch? Well, I actually never saw Broadchurch. I dove right in watching Grace Point. I do kind of want to go back and watch Broadchurch now to see, you know, the difference. Um, it, It was funny because when I watched the pilot of Grace Point, I did not recognize, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, 
Yeah, David Tennant. And and this is despite the fact that I loved David Tennant on Doctor Who for some reason. And I spent the whole hour watching it being like, okay, the guy, the way this guy talks and his hair, I don't know if I can watch this show. It really annoys me. <laughs> and it wasn't until someone here at the office said, you know, that's David Tennant. That's, that's Doctor Who. And it, in fact, it's the Doctor Who you loved the most. And <laughs> to be fair, I have a history of not recognizing people. Um, I... I'm terrible, terrible about that. I will be watching a television show and I'll be like, wow, I really like this person. Who is it? And someone will tell me that is an actor you have loved all your life and you have watched everything they've ever done. <laughs> um, but but he annoyed me. He really, through most of the run of the show, annoyed me. But it was a solid show. And it also did something that I really wish more shows would do, and that is, almost telenovela style, it told a complete story. You know, it, it mm-hmm. reminded me of a couple three seasons ago when uh, CBS did Harper's Island, the, the horror story that they broke into 13 episodes and did as a, as a limited series. I thought that was brilliant, and, mm-hmm. and I really would like to see them do more of that kind of thing, because I think as long as you promise the audience that you're going to show the whole thing and not do what Fox has done several times where they say it's a limited engagement series and then two episodes and they cancel it, I think the audience is drawn to sort of the same way we were talking about telenovelas. Uh, I think the audience is kind of drawn to stories that they know, okay, this is a limited commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, then there's the other side where it's a limited commitment and then it does really well, like the Under the Dome or Extent. Well, Extent did really well in the beginning and then kind of fell off. But And then they're like, hey, season two. And you're like, but wait, wait hold on, what? I, I, actually, I actually stopped watching uh, Under the Dome three episodes in when they announced, you know, because it was originally sold to me as a limited run, one season yeah. kind of thing. And then three episodes in, they said, you know, and I was like, I read the book. It comes to a definite end. It's not a good end, <laughs> but it's not a good end by, by any means, but it's a definite end. Um, we're chatting with Kim Roots of TV Line, and uh, we're going to throw to a commercial, and we'll be right back. And as I promised, we will have blind items for you. So stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Everyday SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Oh, yeah. 
And we're continuing our conversation here with Kim Roots from TV Line. Before we go on, I just want to do a little pimpage here of Dan's show next week. Since this is, of course, his his show, it'd be nice to actually tell people what he's going to be doing next week. Uh, it's actually going to be a Super Bowl special. So they're going to be talking about the game, the halftime show, of course, the commercials, and the snacks. Uh, Alex Clancy will be here with some tips for those of us who, like me, know nothing about football absolutely nothing. Uh, Lindsay Wells, the Kitchen Witch, one of my very good friends, will also be here, and she's going to have some fun, quick, easy recipes for game time snacks and a whole lot more. That's next Friday, January 30th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific here on Kroll Call. And of course, if you miss any of tonight's episode or any other episode, you can go into the archives at krollcall.com and uh, dial them up and listen. Uh, meanwhile, though, we're going back to our conversation with Kim Roots from TV Line. And, Kim, I wanted to ask you, as someone who watches a lot of television, and I do too, there are always shows that I want to make people watch. You know, I'm like, I'm like, you have to watch this, you have to watch this. And people are like, no, I watch enough. What shows do you think people should be watching that they aren't? So my, my absolute favorite jam right now is um, Comedy Central's At Midnight, which is on every night at midnight. And, uh, wow, that's a good title, given the, given the time. So I can <laughs> well, imagine a couple if it was called that. When they were in, was... in between Colbert and the nightly, uh, the nightly show, they had it on at 11:30, and everything was in chaos. But now it's back on at midnight. But <laughs> um, Chris Hardwick, who you know is like nerd god, hosts it, and it's just three act, uh, three comedians, usually two stand-ups and a, a comedic actor or you know a comedic writer, um, and it's game show format. But the points don't matter. And it's just all stuff based on the internet. They play this game where um, it's like a hash, they call it hashtag wars, and they, every night there's something like, you know, add a letter, ruin a movie, and things like that. Or like, <laughs> it's, just, it's so funny, it's so quick. And I think because of its lateness, it's only being seen by like, you know, college kids and nursing mothers. But I, it's really, really good. I don't even watch it at midnight, I DVR it, and I watch it at like old people time the next day. But it's so funny. So if well, I, I think gonna, people should I was going to ask that. Is, you know, sometimes there are shows that are almost you have to watch them late at night. Charlie and I, uh, for example, we only watch Two Broke Girls, which we love, but we only watch it at like 1 o'clock in the morning. And I don't know if we would enjoy it if we watched it at like, you know, 8, 8, 30 in the evening. I think it's, 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 it's so raunchy and so just over-the-top ridiculously dirty that we feel like we have to watch it at 1 a.m. Is, the same is there thing any like wine watch... drinking that goes on before this watching? Is that because <laughs> no, it doesn't it have really anything isn't. to do with your enjoyment? It really isn't. We just we just get a kick out of that show, but again, only at, at, at very late hours. Do you think the same is true of At Midnight? Like, Do you, do you think it's enjoyable any time of day? I do think it's enjoyable any time of day. I think it's it's very, very smart, but it's it's like smart fart jokes. Does that make any sense? Like, it's, <laughs> it's not highbrow in any way. But, um, like, if you are any kind of sci-fi nerd, comic book nerd, TV nerd, movie nerd, like, you will love it because there's all these, like, little references to things that you thought you were the only person that knew about it, and all of a sudden some random stand-up will bring it out. And it's just, it's funny, it's fast, and every time we watch, like, we'll watch two or three episodes at a time, and it just goes so quickly. So I, I highly recommend it. 
Okay. Next up in our lightning round as we come toward slowly but surely ticking toward the end of the show, um, there have been some rumors floating around about a show that, uh, speaking of nerds and people sci-fi and a show that people love, there have been some rumors floating around about the X-Files. What do you got for me? Oh, I almost started just humming the theme song. Um, <laughs> I there there have Fox said at TCA's that um, they're thinking about possibly bringing back the X Files, possibly for like a little limited run, um, and that they are talking to the interested to the important parties, which would be the series creator Chris Carter and then the two stars Jillian Anderson and David Duchovny. Uh, and I'm pretty sure all of them have said at one point or another that they would do it if the timing was right. And I'm sure they, they though they have not said this, if the money were right. Um, I don't care if this series is Mulder and Scully sitting in a U-Haul rental office waiting for their truck to be ready for six weeks, eight weeks. I would watch that. I would watch them do anything. So let's, let's all put our collective conscious, consciousness together and make this happen, X-Files. P-H-I-L-E-S. Let's make this happen, okay? Now, who's with me? I'm, I'm with you, but with reservations. You know, <gasps> and I have, and here's why, here's why. I am a big believer that some things just, you know, if they are really great, they might, it might be better not to revisit them. I mean, I've seen the X-Files movies, and they weren't particularly great, you know? Oh, they, they were terrible. So that, this is my point. It's already been ruined, right? So, they, they <laughs> so had as long as you get more Mulder and Scully, you don't really care. I don't, I, like I said, they could be eating cereal in a diner for six weeks, and I would watch that. Because <laughs> the, the, the show, you're right, I feel like the show, um, for everything it was, and I'm one of those people that loved it, you know, warts and all, it lost its way several times, it, the mythology got too big, when Duchovny decided he didn't want to be on it anymore, the, you know, we were all of, a, all of a sudden supposed to root for, um, you know, these new agents that came in when Scully was around every once in a while, it just, it, it's already been defiled, so to speak. The movies were not amazing, the first one was better than the second one, but neither one of them were, were particularly amazing, so I'm like, it's already kind of done that, so why not just try this new thing? And see how it goes. I think also maybe, um, you know, the anniversary was a couple years ago, and they had that big panel at Comic-Con, and um, Duchovny and Anderson did a lot of press for, for the anniversary. I think each of those actors now get how rare it is that you can have so many people care so much about, about something you're doing for such a long time. And I, they seemed much more appreciative of it now than they ever did when the show was on the air. Did you see any of that? Did you get that feel from anything? I did, I, and I, I agree. Um, and it could have also just been like, oh, you know, I'm ready. Let's slum for a buck. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? Again, I'm fine. Wanna, Mulder, mow the lawn, Scully, make some iced tea. I'll watch that for six weeks. Do you have a favorite? Uh, there is one episode in my, in my mind that um, immediately pops out as my I know what you're going to say. I know your favorite episode. You do? I do. Okay, well, can me you tell you what it is? Yeah, go ahead. Tell me what my favorite episode is. It's the pe- it's home. It's the one with the peacock. How did you know that? Did I tell you that? <sighs> Richard, Richard, Richard. I know you so well. No, I think you told me once. But it uh, totally that's a great is. In fact, great in fact when, I was, when I was writing Homesick, um, <laughs> nice little plug for my novel, when I was writing Homesick, 
I was inspired by the peacocks. I went back and watched it like three times while I was watching. I just think it's one of the coolest, scariest, creepiest things ever to air on network television. Do you have a it's favorite? It's really good. Oh, good God. Um, no, I don't have a favorite. I have like a handful of favorites for different reasons. I mean, in no order whatsoever. I really like One Breath when Scully comes back from the dead and she's in the hospital bed and she's having visions of her father and Mulder is having a complete breakdown because this person that he didn't even realize he cared about so much is dying. Um, I really like All Things, uh, which is a Scully-centric episode, um, and it's also the one where at the very end, or I'm sorry, at the very beginning, they hint at the fact that Mulder and Scully might be having a more than platonic relationship going on, but there's no payoff for that for a few episodes. I love that it leaves you hanging. Um, the Ghost Who Stole Christmas, which is uh, a Christmas episode, and Lily Tomlin is in it, um, and Ed Asner, I believe. It's just funny. Um, there are so many that, that I just adore. So I'm the wrong person to ask about this. I have no, I have no perspective on the show at all. <laughs> I kind of got that. Yeah. I, I, believe, I believe we just figured out what you ship. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, I was a Mulder Scully shipper before I knew what shipping was. Yes, yes, you were. Well, mm-hmm. okay, so this X-Files, you know, has sort of a current counterpart in a weird way, um, and it's a show that you actually cover, and that's Sleepy Hollow. You know, like, in some ways, um, the leads on that show are, are a little like Skull, Mulder and Scully, and that a lot of the audience wants them to get together, and they're going around solving all these mysteries. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that show. Oh, yeah. Um, so I would agree that, especially in the first season, uh, Sleepy Hollow had a very X-Files vibe. Um, so for those who are uninitiated, Sleepy Hollow is about, it's based on, it's very loosely based on the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Where very, 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 very loosely. <laughs> very, I mean, yes, very, very loosely. They kind of have, have turned it on its head where Ichabod Crane uh, uh, was killed by the Headless Horseman during the Revolutionary War. They both died at the same time. Uh, Spell put them both basically uh, in the state of, I don't know, suspended animation. And then uh, they both wake up in present-day Sleepy Hollow, where Ichabod runs into a uh, police lieutenant who doesn't believe him at first that he's actually from way back in the day. And then eventually they figure out that they are both witnesses, like biblically called witnesses to the end of days, and that they are trying to prevent the horseman and his ilk from ending the world. Um, Tom Meissen and Nicole Bahari are in it. They are, their relationship is the best thing about it. Would you agree with me on that one? I would. I would. They, yeah, they, they, and that's they where I think, I think the, off each other. the, the partnership is, is very analogous to Mulder and Scully. Um, the show's hit a little bit of a, a rough spot in its second season, which is very common for series um you know there's a lot of hatred for (laughs) some of the things that are going on i am still a huge fan of the show um i what i think the show does so so well is give us moments between the two of them where it's like it's you and me against the world and um even if you a plug for my site if you go on tv line uh today we put up a, a clip earlier today of ichabod singing karaoke and it's well well worth the watch, um, both if you just want to see Tom Meissen kind of freestyle uh, a pirate shanty and uh, also really, really great if you are a fan of Abby and Ichabod in whatever incarnation, whether you ship them, whether you want them to stay platonic, there's some nice, uh, there's some nice stuff going on in there. And then Tom Meissen actually spoke to us about, about the filming of that scene and the episode coming up on Monday. So, I, I mean... Is the show as perfect as I want it to be? No, but it's still. Uh, well, some commenter wrote in the in uh, the recap 
comments last week. You know, I would still watch a bad episode of this show over a good episode of a lot of what's on TV, and I pretty much agree with that. I would agree, too. Um, and I have to say, speaking of things that I'm... I have no segue there. I don't know what I even started. Uh, but we are coming to the end of the show. And as promised, it's time for us to roll out our blind items. So go ahead. What do you got for me? Well, first, I think you oversold these a little bit. But I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Although maybe yours is, is much better than mine. Um, I once uh, called an actor for pre, you know, a preset interview. And uh, he picked up and he was very clearly crying on the phone, and I said, uh, you know, uh, what's going on? And he said, I'm sorry, I'm breaking up with my girlfriend as, we, as, as I was calling. This was happening, and he was packing his bags. And I said, okay, well, you know, we can do this another time. And he said, no, no, it's, it's okay. Let's, so then as he's literally sobbing into the phone, I'm saying things like, well, what do you think your character will be doing in the next few weeks? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I still to this day don't know why he didn't just hang up the phone or why I didn't. I mean, it, it just makes no sense. But anyway, that was probably my most awkward phone interview ever. That's awesome. Well, my blind item involves awkwardness of a different sort. I actually once was in a restroom, a men's room, uh, with three actors who had had a lot too much to drink and decided to have, for lack of a better word, a literal pissing contest in which, as they began, they continued to step backwards to see who could get the farthest back and still hit the urinal. Uh, and it was just painful and awkward, and it freaked me out, and I will never forget it as long as I live. I'm assuming this was before cell phone video existed. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it definitely was, or at least before I had a cell phone. Well, <laughs> listen, this has been an awesome time, and I really, Kim, I want to thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. Do you want to pimp yourself before we head out? Thanks so much for having me. Uh, read TVLine.com for all, all good spoilers, recaps, interviews, all that good stuff. And you can find me at Kim Roots, K-I-M-R-O-O-T-S, on Twitter. Say hi. And, of course, I'm Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth. And I think most of you know you can pretty much, you know, throw your words out onto the Twitterverse, and you'll end up hitting one of my many, many, many Twitter handles, including Soaps in Depth ABC, Soaps in Depth CBS, How Rude Are You, Mellow Mickey, and the list goes on. I want to thank Dan for giving me the chance to do the show tonight. And remember that next Friday is his Super Bowl special, so there will be lots of fun stuff going on there, including snacks and uh, a little information for those of us who don't know crap about the Super Bowl. I had a great time. I hope you guys did too. Thank you so much for joining me and see you next week. We're into home, we're into